It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, But perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps, most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys. Welcome to Podcasts Like It's 1999. I'm your host, uh, Phyllis Gove. And with us today is writer, producer of Game of Thrones, consulting producer on the forthcoming Lord of the Rings uh, Amazon show, developing many secretive projects that you will love in the future. Uh, Brian Cogman, thank you so much for coming on to talk about uh, Five Votes Down with me. Thank you for having me. Kenny's mad at me, isn't he? He's not mad at me. He's mad at me. No, his absence is noted. Is is his absence on (laughs) on these TV miniseries are indicative of we talked about four children? We talked about TV before (laughs) Kenny and me, and I feel like 
You well, know, we for, had that little those... inter- we had that little internet rift. I make well, a, listen, I made a, a innocent joke about Cradle Will Rock and his reaction <laughs> to it, and now you know. I think it's now we true. Have a, yeah, it's true. We have a feud. Also, I will say this, um, Kenny. Uh, as as the listeners of our ER episode that you came on for uh, many moons ago, feels like yes. a different life uh, oh when God. you came on for ER. Uh, might remember that Kenny said about five words in that episode because uh, <laughs> Kenny doesn't know ER, and that's not a that's not an indictment of him. But uh, you and I talked at length yeah, about he was ER. Like, I we can't will do that again. I can't <laughs> sit. <laughs> listen to them and kenny just i mean truthfully um i think that similarly to myself uh we weren't like big tv people back in the 90s i mean i watched Mm. a handful of shows i was as you know uh, a diehard er fan but i was pretty sort of you know I, i didn't really dive into tv until I decided that I wanted to work in TV. And we had sort of this golden age of television that... So, um, obviously, I love the West Wing, Wing, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But um, it's just interesting how these TV miniseries have worked out where Kenny's got four kids, doesn't have the time to do these, and I've just really enjoyed doing the deep dives into these shows um, that were obviously incredibly important. So he wasn't in the Sex and the City series. He was not in the Sex and the City series. series. Uh, the the only TV miniseries that Kenny will most likely or will definitely be a part of is The Sopranos when we do that oh, nice. uh, as our final TV um, miniseries for 99 sometime in 2022. So oh, great. Uh, all that being said, um, West Wing, Brian Cogman, when did it come into your life? Were you, did you watch it back in 99? I did. I watched it uh, as it aired when it came out because it was it was a pretty big deal it was mm-hmm. you know the american president had been a big hit yes and was beloved and including by me and then um of course sorkin i mean he sort of burst on the scene with a few good men and that was a, yeah. a cultural juggernaut and for a long time i mean you know ask me in middle school and high school i probably would have said it was the greatest movie ever made i, I watched sure, it sure, sure. i mean i wore the tape out um, years later, you watch you, and it's still great. Don't get me wrong; I love a few good men. But you know, years later, you watch it, and especially after decades of Sorkin, and you go, "Ah, okay, well, there's that thing," you know. Um, yeah. But uh, so, I mean, I guess Sports Night was out, but not. I don't think I was. In fact, I was not watching Sports Night as most people weren't. Mm-hmm. As 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 well regarded as that was, yeah, I wasn't aware of it. I was in. I was deep in college, like acting school time when this was in 99, when this was airing. But it was, I remember being kind of a, my memory of it is that when it was announced that he was doing it, mm-hmm. everyone was sort of like, the first reaction was, what? Which is yeah. so funny. I remember one of the reactions, I, I don't remember if I read this or if someone, or if it was just a conversation I was having someone, but someone actually said, I mean, how do you come up with storylines? Which is hilarious when you think about it, because... There's, there's the of course there's, yeah. a, there's there are plenty of storylines, but I just think, <laughs> I think the idea of an alternate reality president and mm-hmm. an alternate reality kind of America, yeah, going on that much. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. there are fictional presidents in movies, and the American president has come out, but sustaining that over a series, I think people thought, well, that's how's that going to work. You know, well, I think that it definitely was curious. I was very curious to watch it. I remember at the beginning. Well, reading about the development of it, the show was not a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the imagination. No. Um, I, I think that that Warner Brothers and NBC didn't really think a show about 
the White House could work for the reasons that that you just sort of uh, mm-hmm. that you just said. Um, I want to sort of tap into something because I think that you are um, a theater person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you studied theater, you've written theater, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and Sorkin is very theatrical. There's yes. something he, he, and, and, and I, I, I want to get your opinion on sort of the, the, the stylistic choices that he makes as a writer. I mean, a lot sure. of people condemn him for those and a lot of people love him for those things. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. Talk to a lot of people about how this show was a bomb during the 2020 election and how calming and lovely it, it sounds. Smart sure. people sounding very sort of, you know, musical in the way that they speak. Um, there, there's something very lovely about that. And yet there's something very heightened about that that some yes. people can't get on its wavelength. Um, how do you think the show finds that balance? Well, that's a great, that's actually, that's a great question because yes, look, Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin has his own, Style. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's like you know David Mamet, where yes. you hear it and you're like, oh, that's Aaron Sorkin. Now, uh, I don't mind that as long as I know what I'm getting into and I'm like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sort of calibrating my brain to. And I, and look, I'm not an Aaron Sorkin worshiper. I, mm-hmm. I I love, and we'll probably get into this. I love certain eras of The West Wing. Yes. There are other series of his I I can't stand. There are other <laughs> his I think are fine. There are movies of his I love. There are movies of his I don't. Yeah. There are times where his style, in my opinion, on some on a certain piece of material, it doesn't work. Like I mm-hmm. did not, I could not jibe, and I went and saw it on Broadway with the To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Okay, oh, I didn't yeah. see it. I wanted could, to see it, but I didn't. couldn't do it because it's like this because it, it was it was it was Aaron Sorkin right. speaking Atticus, Atticus Finch speaking like Aaron Sorkin, and it just it's like Danger Well Robinson, like it just doesn't. It doesn't. Well, there's not the folksy hometown lawyer doesn't fucking talk like that. So yeah. I, it, yeah. my brain broke listening sure. to. It. But when it's sort of his universe and when it works at its best, and certainly I think in the first two seasons of the two and a half seasons of The West Wing, it's mm-hmm. that's the peak in my view of Sorkin's uh, thing. Um, yeah, I, I think it's also a marriage of of the of of his his style with the world and i think to your question before about how it was not a foregone conclusion and what i was talking about where yeah when i remember when it first came out someone said or i was reading somewhere like well he's gonna have the president's gonna have to declare war every week for there to be a storyline <laughs> right right you right. know what i mean because the idea of the mo- the show being about process mm-hmm. like and this episode's a perfect example yes of of why this show immediately off the bat you're like oh no this is gonna be fine mm-hmm. it's a it's so much of it is just about the nuts and bolts of of governance that really, I, I don't think it ever been explored in pop culture. Certainly not to this degree of detail. And yep. his style, his sort of rat-a-tat-tat, hyperverbal, mm-hmm. um, uh, very witty, um, propulsive sort of style, just works so well mm-hmm. with with this world and with and with. Which is why I really, as I said, I really love the first two seasons of The West Wing because they're just about process and about people doing a job. And then I think the show, when I always enjoyed the show and watched the whole thing, but it, it, it alas, even while Sorkin was still there, yeah. kind of succumbed to, oh, the president's daughter's going to get kidnapped by terrorists, right. white supremacists or whatever. Or, you know what I mean? Like it, it had to go with melodrama in a way that those early episodes don't. And that's why I they feel that- like a warm blanket right now. Sure, sure. That's why you're just like, oh, it's the Clinton era where 
Mm-hmm. We were we didn't know how good we had it. It was it was kind of a sure. it was kind of a comparatively boring time, and that's and that's okay. And so you can have an hour of the of of, of the series just be about getting five votes to pass a bill. You know. Well, there's there's two things that come to mind with what you're saying. The first is. Um, the show could be one thing pre 9-11 and had to be something well, very yes. different post 9-11. 100%. Um, which is yes. not the show's fault, obviously, but no. it is, but that's just the way that the world played out. The second thing that comes to mind too is we're going to talk about this a little later when we, we're going to do an ER episode after this. But the John Wells thing, I think, is worth unpacking for a second here because mm. I do think that um, I, I had Jessica Ellis on the other day and she said something oh, cool. really astute. She said that the show, um, when it was under Sorkin's reign, was very much a show about ideas, right? It was about yes. a, a debate of ideas and that the stakes came from those emotional sort of components within the debates of whatever the issue is that they're debating on that specific day. When Wells takes over, it becomes about like exterior things, solving the Middle Eastern crisis, you know, whatever the case might be. Well, breaking storylines. I mean, doing, doing a more, and and this isn't necessarily a knock on John Wells, who, (laughs) as we all know, obviously a very talented man. Brian loves John Wells. Um, But yes, (laughs) starting with season five and season five is the one season of the West Wing. I've only watched, I think once because it's, it was the one where he took over and bumpy. It's really just like, whoa, this is strange. (laughs) Um, but it's that you can feel them going, okay, we're going to break this like a traditional TV show and storylines and big plots. And, you know, um, uh, you're absolutely right. And Jessica's absolutely right. I never really thought about it this way. But yeah, the show in the early seasons, the process of the job and the ideas therein, yep. they reflected and kind of refracted the, 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 the emotional state of the characters. But, yep. but, but, they sort of did a, they worked in a lovely kind of dance with each yeah. other um, where, where the, where the, and what, what's great about it is, and I remember George, George R. R. Martin's always talked about uh, his sort of governing principle when he was conceiving of, of Thrones, which on its face is nothing like the West Wing, but <laughs> apart from a few walk and talks, um, <laughs> but he, he always says, you know, politics is personal. And, and that seems like a very obvious statement, but I think what, I think what he means by that is, you you bring your that human beings bring their personal baggage and their personal history and their personal emotional state into the politics that they're engaging in and one really does affect the other and you have to sort of keep that dance going and that's in the best episodes of the west wing this is one and i think this is one of the very best episodes that we're talking about um and my god the fourth one talk about a show just arriving fully formed yeah. Holy shit. That's the fourth that's one. Um, uh, uh, this episode really, I think, captures that where mm-hmm. uh, in, in a way that doesn't feel, and I think in, in the less successful episodes um, of the show, it feels kind of pat or a little like, oh, look at that. This means this. And, you know, uh, uh, he's really talking about himself here. The, the the best episodes of the West Wing, you don't even really notice that. It's all, you know, it's it's all kind of beautifully woven together. Um, but yeah, what well, an exciting, what it, but it was exciting at the time. To circle back to your first question, yeah, it was yeah, fun yeah. to watch at the time, especially being a young acting student, because um, it was a powerhouse cast of actors, actors. Uh, this was a playwright who had become a screenwriter and these were long dialogue rich 
scenes and and the the actors they brought in as as day players and guest spot actors were all were all terrific theater character actors you know so mm. it really it was really fun at the time uh watching it and it was kind of interesting in terms of what was going on in the, in the politics of the time it was very much it was very clearly what sorkin and everybody kind of wanted the clintons to be sure Sure. <laughs> like it was the Clintons politics mm-hmm. and that wonderful progressive, yay, you know, um, up with people, uh, we can change the world thing with a with a wonderful elder statesman granddad type who yeah, I mean, wouldn't, it's, it, wouldn't know how to cheat on his wife even if you gave him an instruction book. It is yeah. interesting to think about, you know, Clinton, as everyone knows, is impeached at the top of 1999. Yeah. Um and this show comes out, you know, in September. Um, it, it very much is wish fulfillment, right? It's very much. Absolutely. I mean, Sorkin's talked a lot about how the first couple seasons of this show were were loosely based on the early days of the Clinton administration in terms yes. of them sort of tripping over themselves and and the inexperience and what have you of what was going on. Um, and the various types of a few of the characters, too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah George Stephanopoulos is right. uh, notoriously a, a, a Sam Seaborn-esque sort of thing. Right. Um, but it, it, it is really interesting to sort of this moment in television is is interesting, which is that the West Wing is really the past and the Sopranos is really the future. And mm. you're seeing this sort of fork in the road in 99 where very much, I mean, West Wing, as we spoke before we got on uh, on Mike, wins a slew of, of Emmy Awards. I mean, oh, yeah. basically everything it could win for four years, which yep. is essentially... You know the, the 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 standard bearer that everyone's holding on to, being like, we can, we've still got this. Yeah. Well, the Sopranos slowly chipping away. You know, you've got Six yeah. Feet Under that's coming out. You've got these shows, the and Wire, this being a network you. show too. This being exactly. a network show that's very exactly. that's premium, if if you will. Right, right. Yeah. So it's it. This is showing sort of what is capable under the broadcast model. Mm. Like it's the, it really is sort of, and I would argue, still is sort of the bar with which oh, everyone yeah. kind of holds broadcast television to. Um, but I want to ask you a question because you brought up Thrones and it's, it's, it's worth, uh, I wanted to kind of unpack this with you a little bit, which is serialization. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, this show does serialize things, but only when it's forced to. Absolutely. <laughs> like Aaron Sorkin clearly doesn't really like serialization. He doesn't like being forced into a box of something that happened before. Um, There's very little, you know, his backstory for his characters doesn't really do a lot of that. Um, The actors have their own stories that they bring to it for for all intents and purposes. Now, in comparison to something like Thrones, which is the exact opposite, is a deeply, deeply serialized television show with more backstory than some might argue is necessary. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Certainly more than we included. I mean, you know. With the books. It was the, right, correct. It was the polar opposite. I mean, Sorkin has, I mean, they've said he, you know, he, he approached every episode with, I have no idea what this next one is. Yeah. And yeah. just, which is nuts. Which is, is <laughs> absolutely nuts. <laughs> I mean, look, the man's a genius. So I, I, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to think I'm, you know, fucking Brian. Yeah, Coggins of course, of course, of course. Yeah. Ragging on Aaron Sorkin. Like he's, a, he's incredible. <laughs> and he's, and he's, I mean, my, and he wrote all of them. I mean, my understanding is, my understanding is that his staff, yeah. Essentially functioned as um 
researchers uh, researchers is a little too um I, that think that, tank uh, if you will of ideas yeah like like yeah. they brought in he had a lot of people including Lawrence O'Donnell who mm-hmm. provides who's given a co-story credit for this episode yeah a lot of people who were uh either playwrights or in some cases tv writers but also political players that had never done television and they generated storylines story ideas yeah. um maybe even broke rough sort of arcs and then, and then he took those, disappeared, and came uh, back often, very much the last second with this these insane these insane scripts. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I've heard that the, the, that scripts were written from time to time and given to him. He would essentially throw them away, but right. he needed something to work from. I think when you see so story by credits, is because yes. there was a yes. script that existed that he then yeah. you know. Rewrote the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, which you know is is not. I mean, that happens to a degree yes. in other shows too. But but sure. you know he he's just he's he's just he's just a, a very he's a singular artist, you know. And and Correct. this isn't how you would do a TV show if you weren't him. Um, and indeed, I don't know that he has nailed doing a TV show since. You know, uh, uh, quite frankly, um, it's a fair with assessment as, with as much success as this. And again, I think also because just this this world is just so tailor made for the kind of stuff he wants to say, mm-hmm. um, you know. So or wanted. So I don't know. But um, but no, I love him. Believe me, I love him. Let's 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 <laughs> be let's very grant, clear. Let's grant that now before we go on. But um, he. I forget why I said. No, I I think that there's about? something. Uh, we were talking about Game of Thrones and sort of the oh, serialization oh, element. Right, right. And I just sort of wanted oh, yeah, to the serialized to, thing. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, yeah he. For instance, the multiple sclerosis subplot, like correct, the episode we're watching, Martin Sheen has no idea the character is harboring a terrible secret that he has multiple sclerosis because <laughs> Sorkin hadn't thought of it. He thought of it the episode he wrote it in, correct. and but it all plays out well. It all works yeah. Yeah. most of the time. Once they've established continuity in the show, they, with a few exceptions where they mess up something, they 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 basically stick to it. Yep. Um, but yes, you're right. What's brilliant about the show, and speak to goes to your point about network television. Every episode, especially in these early seasons, mm-hmm. is a beautifully contained three act yep. piece that has little storyline arcs, like you would in a norm. But it, it kind of follows in that regard the old network television rules. Like, okay, we've got uh, Sam's going to date Mallory uh, McGarry. For like a five episode arc and we'll sign this actress to five episodes and it'll play itself out in about five. And then if she's amazing, we'll bring her on as a, you know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's the rules of network TV basically. So it sort of follows some of the standard rules, you know, to a degree. In the early days, for sure, a lot more. Yeah. Uh, Certainly becomes more serialized towards the end, especially in the Mm -hmm. final two seasons, which are very successful. I think the, the most successful latter day episodes are really that final that final season where they just are like you know what let's stop pretending to be the old west wing and make mm-hmm. it an election mm-hmm. season and just and and do, do you, what would and do what would happen like they wouldn't all be, they wouldn't all still be on the staff they'd have all been leaving and doing other right. things no one no no presidential staff stays together all eight years and Correct. so it's a drag when you're watching it because you're like well this isn't the west wing but i kind of get it because mm-hmm. if we're also being, if the show is to have any if the show was to go past season seven, which they were going to need, which they, which they were they going to do, yeah. yes, which they were hoping that season seven was going to be successful enough that Jimmy Smith could be the the president and and move on with the show. Right. Um, something that I do think is interesting um, 
you know, season two with the MS stuff mm. does feel the most serialized in the sense of we start at one yes. place, we end at another. I do get the impression that Sorkin does think like, I want this season to be about this and that I know where I want us to end. Mm-hmm. But everything in between, like I know that he talked about how with season three, he knew that he wanted it to end with with Bartlett okaying the assassination of of uh, Omar Sharif. Of, uh, not Omar, Omar Sharif. Sharif, the fine actor? Uh, Sharif is the, the name bastard. of the character. Yes, yes, the Kumar. Um, Kumar and, then, yes. Then, and Kumar is where the show kind of... Lost me. Yes, it's it, 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 the, the, yes. They 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 get into yeah. situations where they want to be a commentary on the world that is exists. Actually, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. And it gets it gets tricky. But but I do think that this season you do sense, and there's one storyline in particular in this episode that feels a little bit like that, which we'll get into in this episode. But there there is a little bit of network tinkering you can feel sometimes, where it's like, wouldn't it be nice mm. if this character had something that was a little bit safe, or that our audience. Under, you know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. I think that's in which in which case I'm, 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 I, I, oh, I mean in the John Spencer wife situation. Oh, 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 in this episode. Sure. It, it feels very. It's Jenny is basically not really a character. She mm-hmm. kind of disappears from the show. Um, it, it felt a little bit safe. It felt a little bit kind of NBC being like, "There's so much going on in this show that we might not quote unquote understand. Mm-hmm. We will understand a marriage that's on the rocks." Like, mm-hmm. I think that there's sometimes stuff that feels like bearing walls a little bit in these early episodes until the show's obviously enormous success and. All that. Mm, that's interesting. To Sorkin, to Sorkin being able to kind of do whatever he wants, right? Um, but I, but I also just feel like um, in these early episodes, even in the in the episode that comes out after this one, which is um, uh, the, the, crackpots. the crackpots and these, these women, women thing, yeah, yeah, um, where you have sort of you've got Josh's backstory with his sister and 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 right. all that kind of stuff, which is again, works really well in terms of laying foundation for a better episode, which is Noel coming in season two when we see mm. Josh really grappling with um, the death of his sister and the PTSD of the of, of the assassination attempt and all those sort of things. Right. So I do think that this show uh, is unintentionally serialized and to your point is incredibly good at weaponizing the things that have come from the past mm-hmm. just not thinking about them as it's writing them. Yeah, because yeah. because the Spencer addiction subplot yeah, is phenomenal. Really flourishes yeah. later. Is it in season yes. one or is it in season two? It's in season two and three. Yeah, see, season, I think season, if, if I picked a, be, a favorite season, it's probably two. Yeah. Because yes. two Same. is, I think that's when it's a hit and everyone's just yep. firing on all cylinders and totally. And as you say, they the, the the first season kinks have largely been worked out and correct. Mandy is no longer. Oh, poor Mandy. Uh, we'll talk about her in a minute. <laughs> we will talk about her. Oh, poor Mandy. But yeah, uh, let me give a brief synopsis on this of this episode. Uh, five votes down. Presidential Chief of Staff Leo McGarry needs five more House votes to pass a bill restricting the sale of automatic firearms, but the cost may be too high, especially if he has to go to the unpredictable Vice President Hoynes to help him put them over the top. The staff's annual financial disclosure statements proved to be thorny for Toby, whose innocent technology stock purchase last year proved to be wildly profitable. Which raises <laughs> eyes during uh, due to his association with an expert in the field. In addition, Leo's long hours on the job cause an unforeseen crisis at home, and the president unintentionally mixes up the potent medications he receives for his ailing back. <laughs> uh, Five Foot Down aired on October 13th, 1999. Story by Lawrence O'Donnell and Patrick Cadell, teleplied by Aaron Sorkin, directed by Michael Lehman. Of all people, the oh, director yeah, Michael, Heathers. <laughs> Michael Lehman. He directed it. Wow. Huh. I didn't notice Which, that when he, I rewatched he, it. He, 
Oh, yeah, uh, it, it's it's really interesting. Michael Lehman's career is is interesting in and of itself, um, but it is interesting that he directed this episode. He obviously did uh, Heather's Hudson Hawk, Truth About yeah. Cats and Dogs, uh, a very oh, interesting sure. career. Um, and so if I'm Lehman mistaken, directed that Warner. That's amazing. I just right watching it. That right, Flammy. Yeah, I mean, Shawnee was probably there, you know. I'm sure. Yes, essentially um, directing it, maybe. I and I do want to. I have a whole thing on the on the one, or what oh, I do want to talk about when we amazing. get into it. Um, amazing. But I do want to talk about the um, the AA stuff for a second because sure. I do feel like um, it's a great piece of Leo. It leads to great stuff, but it also feels like a little bit of Sorkin working through some of his addictions um maybe a little bit possibly um i mean he was going through a bunch of extracurricular activities Mm -hmm. during uh the west wing so i I do think that some of this is him working through some of his his stuff which i do think is interesting Hmm. um I, i i also feel like um the the idea of people within the White House having addiction issues is an interesting thing. Um, yeah. And by that, oh, yeah. I mean, um, there's a really interesting uh, interview that Sorkin gives where he said, there are A meetings going on all around the world 24 hours a day. I guarantee you that within five miles of you, there's one happening right now. You don't need a ticket. Nobody checks your ID. There are a few exceptions. Commercial airline pilots have private AA meetings. So do judges and surgeons. So it occurred to me that somewhere deep in the basement of government late at night in Washington, D.C., an AA meeting for government officials so high profile uh, that they could possibly, couldn't possibly go to a regular meeting. And Sorkin is then asked, do you know if that assumption is correct? He says, I have no idea, but I'd be very surprised if they weren't. I have to believe that with 545 congressmen and senators, agency directors and White House staff, there's got to be a bunch of people who are receiving recovering alcoholics. It wouldn't shock me at all. What are your thoughts on this idea of um, of of an alcoholic not or or people drug uh, dealing with recovering from things not being in positions of power? Like I, I think that's absurd. I think that if you're a recovering oh, alcoholic, you should be able to. But it's I certainly absurd. That that would, but yeah. I I think in 1999 it might have been that's that's my more point. of a stigma. I think I think yes. uh, maybe we've uh, evolved. We've passed it. Yeah. Um. So it. It makes total sense to me that the chief of staff of the White House would not, you know, want to necessarily. Right. Although <laughs> the show does kind of do a funny thing where it treats some of these characters like, like, did George Stephanopoulos ever have groupie girls outside of an event that's, going, we love you, you, George? Like, I'm like, really? I don't think this is a thing. But that's it. So he I does the same thing this. in Studio 60 with the, with the showrunners of an SNL type show having people looking for their autographs. I mean, I mean, it, well, I, yeah, but at least those are entertainers that if, <laughs> if, if, that if someone is coming to see SNL yes, and they correct. see Lauren Michaels, they want his autograph. I, I, That's I, fair. That's I don't, fair. And I don't even, I can even see someone wanting George Stephanopoulos' autograph by the, but literally three young women shouting, we love you, Josh. I'm just like I don't really think that's a thing, but that's maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm. Just, I just say one I'm, thing uh, to, underestimating I, the George of it all back in the day. Not to disagree with you. Because I agree with you oh, please. wholeheartedly. Disagree with me. I'm watching Friends right now. Right. And there's a Friends episode where they're obsessed with George Stephanopoulos. No, he was across deal. the street and they're like, 
That's true. Get him. It's it's a. I was like, this is. Or he was just. He had somebody at NBC. Just you know. That's also possible. No, no, Stephanopoulos. He was. I mean, he was a big deal. I remember when the War Room documentary came out, and that was sort of his like, yeah. who's this? Yeah. Um, so maybe, maybe it's credible. But, but I, I guess my you. point is, I don't know that if David Axelrod back in the day walked into an AA <laughs> meeting, if they'd be like, oh, David Axelrod, you yes, know. But perfect. maybe they would if it's DC. DC is a small incestuous town. It's not unlike Hollywood in that regard. So John Favreau's a hot guy. I mean, I get it. Sure. So anyway, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, I. What I like about it, I mean, I think the main function of it, again, is the main function of it in the in the storyline, apart from yeah. the fact that it's a great Leo showcase episode. And it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's one of those wonderful episodes that kind of focuses on one character a little more than the others, is dealing with his or her personal life along with the job and how they sort of affect each other. But so I like all of that. But then it really exists to sort of to sort of put, put you off kilter about Hoynes. Yeah. Who yes. was a really great character. I kind of wish there'd been more of Hoynes because Matheson's terrific. He is. And uh and and the way the way his his character ended up was kind of a obvious sort of Well, they they, they really use Hoynes. In season four, they make him just a total douchebag and and give him a scandal so he can get out of office so John Goodman can be president. Correct. Through Correct. That weird, which is too bad because Hoynes is actually up in, in the first two or three seasons a really interesting foil. Um, he does come back yeah. in in the John Wells seasons in, in weird ways. It's it's a very strange thing. Hoynes, first of all, it's a testament to Matheson, who I think is phenomenal. He's which great. is that the character, it's pretty clear that the, the character from a writer's perspective is kind of a skeleton key, which is they twist him and turn him however they feel right. necessary a, to he, get where they he's a foil. need to go. He's yes. a foil. Yes. Yes. So it's a testament to Matheson that even with all the crazy shit they put Hoynes through over the seven seasons of the show, he mm-hmm. still comes out on the other side of it feeling like a three-dimensional character that that doesn't feel too all over the map. But to your point, Agreed. he definitely feels in these early seasons um, much more of a sort of a, a, a foil, as you said, but much more sort of rock-solid character who is very steadfast in his beliefs and, and believes that someday will be the president himself. Yeah, believes he should have been, and he was done dirty, yes. and and done dirty by the guy he is supposed to serve, which is very yes. true to life in a lot of the situations, which I really find interesting. And But with the AA of it all, like, yeah. what's beautiful about that scene is... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Certainly when you're watching it the first time through, uh... 
he seems very sincere and a yeah. real like he's an addict who recognizes another addict and wants to help. And I think to a degree that is true. Mm-hmm. But he's also putting Leo at ease so he can agree to what Leo wants and then essentially stab the administration in the back. <laughs> Which is what Leo knows he's going to do anyway. Yeah. And in the end, I think isn't so angry, isn't really angry with him because A, he got beat and B, he showed him this sort of humanity. So it's, it's, that's, it's a lovely construction in that regard because you don't quite know how you feel about Hoynes at the end, which is very much the point. It's actually why, jumping ahead, I don't like that last scene with him and Josh. It's not necessary. I agree. We absolutely, I, it actually undercuts Hoynes. It, it undercuts him. It's like, and also, I love Bradley Whitford. I love Josh Lyman. I find Josh, a, he's rather insufferable in this episode, which I guess is the he point. Is. He's supposed to be taken down a peg, which again, I would have preferred. And Whitford's great in that moment where he's watching the news and he just can't take mm-hmm. it and he walks out. I would have loved that to have been Josh's last scene. I agree. Instead I agree. of saying, instead of being like, Josh gets he was beat and he's going to get him next time. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. Because, you agree. know, just. If, if, if you're going to do an episode where, where it's hubris and we deserved it, like end it with that. You know well, what I mean? Well, the thing that, that it, that it tees up, by the way, had yeah. we known, and we don't find this out until later, but had we known that Josh worked for Hoynes. Right. Which they point, don't know when they're shooting the scene. <laughs> exactly. Sorkin hadn't made it up. <laughs> and, and that's another flaw maybe, because you're absolutely right. I was watching it, remembering what I remember about the show and being like, oh, is this the scene where... Right. Where they where they have it out yeah. about their past, and then and then when it, when they didn't, I was like, right, they don't have it out because <laughs> neither actor nor does the writer know that they have a past. <laughs> Correct. No, Correct. That's that's old school TV. Like like <laughs> we it really the, this whole you have to have the entire series worked out before you pitch it thing is very recent. Um, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> it used to be that you just yeah yeah crank out twenty four episodes and you just. Yeah. You, you concentrated on that one and then yeah. you built on it. So yeah. this isn't, it's not really a criticism because yeah. that they hadn't, you know, in fact, the scene was probably so, I will say, even though I don't love the scene, their chemistry is so good. It probably mm-hmm. sparked the idea that, Ooh, wait a minute. Yep. They yep. have a, they have a history. So, you know, um, anyway, we jumped, we jumped ahead. Yeah. I, 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 I want to dive into the episode itself, uh, mm. and, and start with, uh, a standout in the series, which is this oh, one my God. So uh, Bartlett's five, giving I a speech. five times. It's beautiful. It um, I, I, I cry. Oh. I have some production notes on it, but I just want to, to give some context. Um, Bartlett's giving a speech. Josh and Leo find out that they're five votes short on passing a new gun bill. And we follow Bartlett and the whole staff through the bowels of the building, through the kitchen and what have you, um, and then out to the motorcade. Right. It's like a hotel or something. Yeah, it's a hotel. Uh, So Thomas uh, DeRuth, who was the DP uh, of the show, uh, gave a really interesting uh, thing here where he said, the longest and most complicated city camp shot so far on the West Wing was four minutes long, took place at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles. The operator was... Oh, the Ambassador. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was the Ambassador. Uh, The operator was Dave Committees. Uh, DeRuth recalls, it started out on the dance floor. We went into the lobby through the top floor kitchen area, down two flights of stairs into the bowels of the kitchen through the cavernous kitchen where food was being prepared uh, for a banquet. We worked our way through that area, went down another flight of stairs to where the laundry facilities are, then proceeded into the catacombs all the way through the base of the hotel 
into the parking lot where we ended up in the motorcade. The shot involved more than 500 extras, nearly all of the major cast members, and it was all done in one seamless Steadicam shot. Each take required one magazine of film, and the actors had to pass off film, the from film. one another. Film, people. Uh, it required quite a bit of orchestration. It was about a five-page scene, took us half the night to shoot, they did uh, 13 takes of it. Uh, Martin I mean, just Sheen, that it only took half the night to shoot. I'm just like... It doesn't make you, any man. sense that they were able to do it. I mean, truly, no. they would never do this today. You, you'd never eat up that much time of your schedule on one shot. Like, you just wouldn't do well, it. Well, we, we have, but... You, we did. you did. But, <laughs> but I don't know that we did one... I don't know that we ever did one this complicated. And, and, and we certainly never did one that involved dialogue. Of this, right, like, right, 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 right. Any, any, any. Well, this shot is we this is the equivalent of like was of the Goodfellas shot, shot in the yeah, Coma. Like, yeah. This is this is yeah. it, it's. So I don't know if you noticed this. I know you watched the scene a bunch of times. I watched it a oh. couple times too. Um, Martin Martin Sheen fucks up. He the fucks tape up. No, he fucks use. up, and Dulé Hill saves him and yeah. saves his ass. And it's amazing. Yeah, because unless you are looking for it, you'd never notice it. Obviously, no, but no. He, I only noticed it because I read somewhere that it happened. Right. Basically. Um, he delivers a line to Toby about being a pain in the ass. And if you listen carefully, he gives a groaning noise. Yep. Charlie Dulé Hill jumps in with Mr. President. Yeah. Sheen replies, oh, yes, Charlie, by the way, did the first lady call. He so, groans because he can't find his next line. Because he can't find his and line. he knows they're at the end of the take. And they've done it 11 times. <laughs> Who knows how many times. Dulé Hill is a hero. A, yeah. Um, and then I imagine they probably did it two or three more times to see if they could get it perfect. And mm-hmm. then finally they said, you know what? Let's go back and look at take 10. <laughs> It's, you know what? It's good enough. Great. It's great. It's yeah. a wrap. That's it's undoubtedly a, it's a what beautiful, happened. beautiful scene. It oh. is. Um, there's a couple yes. things I want to unpack within the actual dialogue of the scene. The first is that the majority of the scene is about Toby being precious about his speech, yep. which is very Sorkin because Bartlett went off book. And laying point. the groundwork, though, for, for me, one of the best mm-hmm. emotional arcs of the entire series, which is the yes. president and Toby's totally dynamic which really you know flourishes in season three and then mm-hmm. don't even get me started to what they do to toby in the later seasons but but it's um <laughs> but uh but it's again it's there and here it's lighthearted and fun mm-hmm. but again you can the writers and the actor is okay i this is this is working this is cooking yeah in later episodes, how do we deepen this a bit, you know? Even in the next episode, you've got Toby finding out that he wasn't Bartlett's first choice. Oh, is that the next one? And That's a great scene. the next one. And That's they have a great a scene together scene. where Bartlett says to him, I'd be nowhere without you. Like, yeah. I, 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 I can't believe I even considered not having you there. The, the, the dynamic that I love so much that you're speaking of is two men from very different upbringings, mm-hmm. very different people, and Bartlett resenting and knowing that he needs Toby to keep his feet to the flame yeah like it's it it, it 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 and and when toby gets in his head hating the fact that he's got somebody in his head yeah it's really amazing i mean i think about tony soprano and how much he hates melfi at mm. times getting mm. in his head That's interesting. they have a similar dynamic of sure. these very powerful men who just can't stand the fact that they can't do it on their own yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there's something yeah. very interesting in that absolutely um, there's a wonderful moment, a lighthearted moment where Bartlett walks by a couple that are making That's out cute. and he yeah. says, hey there, fella, she deserves a nice room and some supper. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Like, it's great. That's it's great. the stuff that I, it's the juice of this show that I just absolutely adore. Yeah, no, the, the whole thing, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's everything. It's like concentrated everything Aaron Sorkin does best is, in, 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 forget about the technical uh, <laughs> 
virtuosity of the, the shot, yeah. which, my yeah. God. <laughs> but just the little scenelets and how they yeah. transition into each other. <laughs> you know, Alice and Jenny, God bless me. It's like, do I have an unusually large neck? What? <laughs> you know, yes. like just, yeah. All this great, this great stuff. Yeah. But then, you know, God, poor Mandy. Every scene <laughs> poor Moira Kelly ever had on the show after the pilot was... Mandy, you did something bad. You, yeah. you fucked up. You don't belong here. Every yeah. every scene, every is, scene is her every is scene. him is is her just being. It's like it's like they decide. It's, it's like he were just they decided, and it's not her fault. Mary Kelly's great. Yeah. Um, and I've often heard it say, "Well, she never really gelled with the ensemble." I think she could have gelled with the ensemble. It was. Yeah. It's like they decided immediately. Um, oh, I don't like this character I just created, and I'm going to destroy her. <laughs> Well, I, Slowly, I think it's almost immediately. Like, by I think it's two, two things. I totally agree with you. I think it's two things. The first is that it it becomes clear very early on that she's an antagonist to the administration. She's the one who's always saying yes. you can't do things, and and you can't be altruistic, and you can't be right. so naive. Which That's no fun. Sorkin hates. Yeah, a character that tells him he can't be. You know, whatever. Yeah, and then on top of it, Donna, which is that she hits the ground running, well, yes. and Janelle yes. is so fucking good yes. that the the banter that was going to exist between Josh and Mandy essentially yeah. just becomes Josh. Yes, and Josh and Mandy were clearly going to have an on again, off again. They're going to get back together. Relation, at least when the pilot was written, and you're Correct. absolutely right. That's out the window practically by episode three. It's crazy. Sooner. Um, and yeah, maybe you can chalk that up in terms of Maura Kelly to lack of chemistry with which They have none. I mean, that's, <laughs> they have none. Like whenever they talk about how they were dating, I'm like, I don't believe you ever had sex. Ever you two. <laughs> like, I don't believe you ever dated. Yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. The stuff that a dreams are made of for a producer chemistry with him and um Janelle you know, Maloney, it, you know. it's interesting because i actually think that um mandy and josh feel more like brother and sister than they do ex-lovers yeah yeah and in a weird way had mandy actually been his sister sure that'd like be fun. literally i think yeah. that would have been fun and given them something yeah that because she yeah. she really they, they really don't know what to do with her and they well, she also her she had such an undefined role it was like I forget what it is at the end of the pilot like you're gonna Media be a public consultant? yeah it's just <laughs> you know because she's in meetings she wouldn't be in correct you know they give her a line in a meeting that really wouldn't be her line yep. because she's a series regular you know uh, yeah. yeah so it, it's too and bad and they get like, Joey Lucas to do essentially what they need Mandy right. to do when which she is needs to do it. and when she needs to do it. yeah yeah totally um, and. It's, but I, I, and that, of course, the term, which I'm sure you've talked about on the show already, but the whole Mandyville thing where she's there at the event when the president and all her friends are shot and she is not visiting them at the hospital or anything and sees it. It's she's nuts. like, bye, y'all. They don't even give her a line. <laughs> nothing. They, they don't, don't even acknowledge nothing. that she's gone. They don't say, oh, you know, when Mandy was, no, it's like, it's like, it's like she was a, a ghost. It was like she was dead the whole time and no one really saw nuts. her. It's not Anyway. Because you, yeah. you have to imagine, I mean, you obviously know this better than anybody. There's a conversation. Some studio or network executive raises their hand and says, so Mandy, yeah, this do, isn't working. We say, yeah. do we say anything about her disappearance? Yeah. And and just like and, and it's like she never existed. Someone it's had crazy. to have raised I someone had to have had to <laughs> to have raised the question. <laughs> but you know, uh, they also though the, the 
ended season one with the assassination attempt. Yeah. If, if it wasn't ending with a cliffhanger, it'd be very easy. It'd just be like, oh, well, she obviously moved on. Right. But, but they pick up <laughs> seconds after. Seconds after. An event that she is at. <laughs> it's nuts. Although you do get the impression that... My assumption, anyway, is that she was never coming back for season two because when they do check no. in on everybody during the assassination attempt, because they do get a shot of every, you know, every one of our heroes. Oh, no, before. I think they'd already decided. They don't even show her then, I don't Oh, think. no, 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 she was already long gone. She was already at that point averaging, a, you know, a half a yeah. scene an episode. Yes, yeah, crazy. Like the back yeah. half of season one, she's barely there. They clearly made the decision, yeah. which yeah. must be horrible for her if you're coming into Not work great. every day. The show's yeah. a hit. Everyone's yeah. gelling, and you're just every time you get a new script, it's yeah, like, less and less. There's I? all these fucking Josh and Donna scenes, and you're like, "Wait, <laughs> Donna, the secretary who is an extra?" I mean, it got yeah. it. I kind of feel yeah. for her because she's great. I love, I love her. You know. Um, so anyway, there's a great story that Janelle Maloney told um, where she said that her first line uh, is with um, Leo goes up to her and says, "Hey, can you get Josh for me?" And she turns and screams Josh's name, and Leo says, "I could have done that." Oh, nice. And it's it's their first moment together. Brilliant. And in their first scene, uh, John Spencer turned to her and said, "You're going to be here till the curtain comes down." Awesome. Like he just knew. How good she was from like that moment. He's so great. I just I love him. Well, yeah. So I, mean, I keep yes, derailing gonna, your, your yeah. So speaking going. of Leo, great line he has early on when they're basically trying to figure out who's at who these four votes, these five votes are because mm-hmm. at first they don't really know who they are. And then Leo right. says there are two things in the world you don't want people seeing: how you make laws and sausages, which right. is something that I think about still to this day. Um, so that, that basically, from thirty thousand feet, the 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 plot of this episode is corralling these five votes back into the bin so that mm-hmm. they can pass this bill. A yes. bill that they know is kind of weak sauce that isn't really going to get much done, yep. but will look like a victory. Yeah. Um, very Clinton so, commentary here. Very Clinton, yes. 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 Um, so that's sort of the, 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 the bigger picture here. You've got Leo. Josh goes to Leo and says he wants to throw his weight around with one of the congressmen. Right. Uh, Leo gives him the okay to do so. And to your point, maybe the worst scene in the episode is when he like, puts on his sunglasses and he's like, that's what he pays me for. It's awful. And it would, it, it, it would not be awful if I think it was aware that he's a prick. But I actually think they think he's cool yeah. in that moment. And it's just yeah. terrible. It sucks. Um, Leo's marriage is tested by this. He goes home. His wife, uh, he has forgotten his anniversary. Mm-mm-mm. Not a good look. Um, and Jenny, his wife, is upset with him. And uh, over the course of the story, basically by the end of the episode, she's leaving him. Yes. Um, and it, and, and it, it sends him to Hoynes. Mm-hmm. Unbeknownst to him, Hoynes senses something that's up. Yeah. He can sense. And, uh, he can sense being in the presence of an addict who's about to relapse, right? Which is, Which very is moving thing. Very moving. Yeah. Um. It 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 alerts us to the fact that Hoynes is also a recovering alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um. He has an AA uh, meeting, and the episode ends with Leo going to that meeting with that gorgeous shot of the coffee pot, which is just this lovely vision because that's sort of a visual touchstone of the AA meeting. You know, that's lovely direction. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's funny, <clears throat> I th- you know, the original, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. the original idea for this show, as you all know, and I'm sure you've talked about in your early yep. episodes about this is that it was going to be a show about the president's staff doing the nuts and bolts of the white house. And the president would come in every 
two or three episodes yeah. for a scene or two. But it was really going to be about the workings of the staff. They realized very quickly, A, Martin Sheen's too amazing to not be a series regular, and B, you can be as cute as you want. You're not going to be able to do a show at the White House and have the president not be yeah. at least one of the ensemble. And certainly, even by, the, by, the, by mid-season one, he's the lead. What's fascinating about this episode is this episode is an example of what they thought the show was going to yep. be the whole time. And it couldn't be this. We would not have been able, you would not have been able to sustain a television show, particularly <laughs> a, a, a proper 22 episode a season show with this kind of construction. But it's fun to watch it in this one because that's absolutely what this is. They even say, like, let's not involve the president here. This is, this is us. Mm-hmm. And so he, you see him being presidential in the first scene with his speech and he comes in for that lovely, bizarre yeah, medication little, you know, scene. Yeah, because yeah. Sorkin is, is a great writer of comedy, and yes. and and what's lovely about these first seasons is they can they can they can contain a scene like that. That's yeah. just a lovely little workplace farce scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. That's all he's got in the episode. It's it's otherwise the show about the staff, which is is one thing I really enjoyed about it on this rewatch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the Spencer, you know, Spencer was nominated for an Emmy for this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deservedly, yep. And uh, and I, I you know, it's funny. I I think I like I think I liked the uh, Jenny subplot a little better than you. I, I I thought it was, I mean, sure, she's exists just to affect Leo, the series regular, right. and you. But the actor, uh, and I wish I could remember her name now. Um, yeah, uh, name she's terrific. Time. I mean, she's yeah, she is. Yep. She's terrific. Uh, it's a rare case where. A woman married to an older man in a show looks, you know, like she would be appropriate, like yes, age appropriate. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. She looks like the woman who who uh, have they introduced Mallory at this point? Yes, Mallory's okay. The pilot. Oh, that's right. So they clearly cast her to a woman that looks like at Mallory's mom. Second episode, yeah. You know, um, and episode, yeah. and they feel you know I gotta say for for you know two and a half minutes of screen time, the two of them feel like they've been married for twenty five years. They have wonderful chemistry. She. She doesn't. She doesn't overplay the scene, or uh, so I, I, didn't, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't hate the the performances, or yeah. or, or I mean, I didn't hate the storyline by and no, large. No, I don't even hate I, it. I, just, but, yeah. it I, I think that it's. I, I the reason that it that it stands out is because mm-hmm. this show is obviously a show specifically about politics, right? So when they mm-hmm. do get into the personal lives of these right. people, they they do stand out, um, and they do rarely, and they though. do rarely do that. That's true. Correct. I mean, you've got Toby's. You got Toby's ex-wife, but she's mm-hmm. a congresswoman and kind mm-hmm. of gets, right. is more drawn into the right. stories, the main storyline. So that's a good point. You very rarely got to get in the show a what happens when they go home. We which do is also in season the, four, CJ goes home and we have that one episode. Do you remember how that? Which I've blocked out. I've only seen the first. Yeah, the, I, the, I, it's funny. I, I religiously watched one and two. I've re-watched seasons one and two mm-hmm. many times. Mm-hmm. And parts of season three, I think I've only seen season four the first time. Season four is the season when it's clear yeah. that Sorkin's leaving and, yeah. and things are, are, are changing. And, and Rob Lowe leaves uh, in that season. Correct. Right. And yeah. Josh Molina comes in. Right. But it, it's, right. it, it's a, a, a very rare standalone episode that has nothing to do with the West Wing where CJ goes home and, and hooks up with Matthew Modine and her dad oh, very, has That's Alzheimer's. very John Wells. That's very... Uh, very John That's Wells. very... Peter Benton goes to the small southern town. Very. Finds out something about himself. Correct. Very. And it almost happens 
this is a classic John Wells thing of big episode, big character leaves Rob yeah. Lowe. Next episode. Palette cleanser. Palette cleanser. cleanser. We're not going to put you right back into the show you love without Correct. one of your characters. Correct. We're going to send them to... Mm-hmm. That's total John Wells yeah. playbook. Also, so did that. also Alice and Janney, Emmy winner. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's create yeah. a little Valentine yeah, to her. It's a weird episode. I'm it sure it really is. Fit, I, don't, but, I have no memory of it now that you're talking about it. But um, something that I do love about the... There's a line in the Jenny Leo stuff that I love, which is the very end. She's got her bag. She's getting in a cab. And he says, call me before oh, you go to sleep. Oh, just, you know. He, John great Spencer, line. John Spencer was such a fucking treasure. I mean, yeah. and what a wonderful, I mean, and what, what a wonderful last act he had with this show. Sadly, totally. not meant to have been his last act and, and yeah. um, his death very well integrated into the show, actually. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the way they dealt with it, I thought was was lovely, as I, re- as I recall from the final season. But um, uh, what a great actor. I mean, he was always someone before the West Wing who would pop up and shit and you'd be like, oh, good, good, this guy. You know, um, uh, just seems so nice. He's so nice, but then he can turn. What's so great about him and and, then Leo is like he can be scary and Mm -hmm. and tough and then just so wonderful and and, uh, paternal um, and such a and such a wonderful foil for uh, for Martin Sheen. I I loved in this recent West Wing uh, reading that they just they didn't even try to replicate him they they cast sterling brown and completely reinvented the character it worked great worked i thought it worked well. great he was phenomenal and it was an entirely different dynamic and i, I just mm-hmm. loved it um yeah. so much better than just trying to find a craggy old dude that would, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you know bring that it's it, it, it was much more respectful to just entirely go a different way um but this he, is yeah he's just terrific in this episode he's he, it's it you know he's um who won the emmy this year did any of was, was it? it's it's richard schiff Oh, Richard Schiff wins. Good. Well, yeah. good. He, so Richard Schiff wins for, for season one. Bradley Whitford wins for season two. John Spencer, Spencer wins for gets season it for three. three. Right, right. Um, but it, it, it is interesting. Um, the, the John Spencer thing that, that, that you're speaking of, I, I, I completely agree with. He, he does something here. This is where you really start to feel like he's getting his hooks into Leo and that he fully understands the character. Hmm. It's not to say that he doesn't in the, in the four episodes previous, but this is where, because of what we've talked about, there's some backstory being filled in. Sure. There's the AA component of it where he's like, oh, okay, this guy's recovering. Mm-hmm. I get this. Um, he, you know, obviously we've had some some moments with with Bartlett, so we're sensing what the Leo Bartlett relationship is like. It's just so altering to fill in, and and I think that that John Spencer's filling in all those cracks as well with mm-hmm. with his performance. Um, he's he's a he he just seems like a lovely guy. When he won his Emmy, his Emmy acceptance speech is so sweet. Where he's like, look at all my look at all my friends, look at all my actors. Uh, yeah, you know, they're so happy for me. Like, there's just yeah. he's well, they he's clearly so, he just, by all yeah. accounts they adored him. I I mean, it was just in the way they speak of him in interviews yeah. and and by all accounts, adored each other, which is nice. You know, that's yeah, a lovely thing. It seems, thing. yeah. It seems know. like they had a lot of downtime in their trailers well, yeah. scripts. It sounds like an insane... <laughs> I mean, that was the thing about, you know, yeah. about Game of Thrones is we, were, we, we did UK hours. Like, right, right. that crew was done at 6 p.m. Or I, I shouldn't say that. Like, it was a 10... We had the 10-hour right, shoot sure, days. Sure, sure, sure. No yeah. lunch. You, we, we worked through lunch. And then it was and, so the we didn't have, show. yeah, like, like we, 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 we yeah. I feel like the West Wing. But you also, your show was so, first of all, location heavy, which oh, is sure. yeah, of course. very, yeah. I, again, I'm not telling you anything did, you don't know, but for our, our listeners. Share, we did our share of exhausting night shoots, don't get me wrong. Our crew, well, was, just, I was just, our crew for, was the hardest for our listeners, is, but. Um, for what it's worth for people that don't know about 
production differences, right? I mean, The West Wing was a show that takes place almost entirely indoors, right? You had the right. occasional exteriors. They would fly to DC, which is also right. a rarity now. But right. most of the show is indoors. Yep. And when you're indoors, uh, it's easier to shoot forever. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's easier to, to, to scrap a scene and write a new scene or whatever the case might be because it's all standing sets. Yeah. Your show, <laughs> not yeah. so much. Your show was most, I mean, good chunk of it outside yeah. on location, which is much harder to shoot. You're at the the will of nature the and various yeah. things. Yeah. So it's just it's it, it's just very interesting to sort of think about how just just, just production differences, right? Mm-hmm. Like Aaron Sorkin could never write your show. He could never write your show because right. of the fact that he'd be forced into sticking with things. He'd oh, be absolutely. forced into production. No, I mean, yeah, our show had to be yeah, I mean it was it was I mean look, we're doing it again in Game of Thrones, but yeah, yeah it was yeah. it was shot it was just different. That, it was more like a movie in as much as, you know, you knew you had to have this location this month and da 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 It was just a, it was, mm-hmm. we also didn't shoot, we shot everything out of order, like one 10-hour right. right. movie as opposed to episode by episode. And, and yeah, I, and also, because of location say, work, right? Like you, you would because, shoot certain storylines. Yeah, location work and actor availability yeah. and, and all of right. it. Um, but, you know, uh, I will say, I made a little crack there about the work hours, but... I'll get on a little soapbox here before we move on back to the West Wing. Please. But I, I think I think our show proved that you don't have to, you know, destroy yourselves and work till three AM overtime to make a you know, make it look good. A I mean TV you can show. you can you can have you can go home and have dinner. That's my rant. Well, no, I, I think that, uh, f- first of all, I think it's, it's an important thing. Um, yeah. And I'm sure you feel the same way about, about your writer's rooms as well, which is that I don't yeah. think you're going to get, you know, the idea that you're going to get anything better at 11 p.m. that you would have got at 6 p.m. Is, is a fallacy. Yeah. I think more people um, are getting there now, especially this last year where people are like, <laughs> you know, we can just be home. <laughs> Certainly with meetings. Let's yes. just do these meetings so. on Zoom. Anyway, um, but yeah. But I, uh, so I, I want to just talk very quickly about the Toby storyline, which is mm. usually, which is kind of just a, a bit of, of lightheartedness, which is uh, he basically gets, um, his stocks do really well uh, and, uh, and he's mocked for it. Yeah, uh, there's the a great C, moment. The C comic relief subplot. Right. He's great. He's great. CJ coming into his office asking for $125,000 is amazing <laughs> because Alice and Janie's laugh is the most beautiful thing oh, in the she's, world. She's um, lum- it's luminous. So she's yes. not, she doesn't have a lot in this one, but she's just, you know. She doesn't. Whatever. It's interesting. She doesn't have a lot early in the season. I'm, we're mm. in episode five now, and I'm surprised by how little she actually has. Oh, I don't think that, I don't know that... I don't know that Sorkin knew what CJ was yet. I don't think sure. that he had fully sort of formed. I don't know that that all of it has sort of really come into focus for him. Um, but obviously, she's a much bigger part in season two. She mm. becomes a bigger part near the end of season one. But it is very interesting to your point that Allison Janney, when she's there, she's making an impact. Oh, you can't Imagine take your eyes that's off why he, of her. That's I mean, why he's like, yeah. Yeah, and, and Toby, you know, Toby's my favorite character. I mean, I, Richard Schiff, yeah. I, I think it's one of the great, filmed performances i just and he's what i love about him is there's something in lesser sorkin efforts actors are trying to sorkinize their acting they're trying to act sorkiny and some of the actors on the west wing do it a little bit not too much he doesn't do it at all i mean he throws everything away and still maintains the wonderful you know rhythm of it all and and his purpose he's just so that kind of hand dog muttery Mm-hmm. deadpan but scratching his fully, head. but fully emotional it's like emotional deadpan it's like it's like yeah. and he's just 
he's my favorite character, which is again why I, I despise how he was treated in the in the final seasons of yeah. the show. Um, but uh, but even just with with a rare Toby comic relief subplot, he didn't usually get those. But it's this one was fun. It's funny the thing you about know who financial disclosures, <laughs> especially now. <laughs> yeah, that boy did that That's date insane. this episode. <laughs> Jesus. Do you know who almost got the role of Toby Ziegler? Yeah, was it was uh, yeah choice, Eugene Levy, which is insane. That's a crazy thing to With think. Luigi, he would have been great, just totally different. He would have been great. I think there there would have been a well, maybe I don't know. Who knows? I I I feel like there might have been a tendency to write him funnier mm-hmm. with Eugene mm-hmm. Levy doing it. But you know, Eugene Levy, there were moments in um, uh, Shit's Creek yeah. uh, where like the episode where he tells his former friends off at dinner mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, oh, no, no, no. I see your Toby there. I see your Toby there. Okay. Yeah. You could have. No, I think, I think he could have done it. Yeah. I think he could have done it. I think it would have been, um, how can I put this? Just more overtly Jewish, I guess is kind of what I'm getting at. Like, sure. I don't think that yeah. I, Richard Schiff uh, is Phenomenal, and Toby Ziegler is one of my favorite sort of overtly Jewish characters in television. Mm. And yet, at the same time, um, it doesn't—I don't know. There's something about Eugene Levy's sort of Borscht Belt yeah, way yeah, yeah. of yeah. doing things that I think it would have played. I just that. think I think you know from him. Nothing, there's no one. There's no one I, I don't hate right now. Is just, a, <laughs> yes. it's just there's no one I don't hate right now. You know, it's just <laughs> it's just more of a. Ba-bum-ching. Stickier, yeah, which is yeah. fine, and yeah. you know would have would have played, um, but it would just been it would have been different. It would have it would have, uh, yeah. And and yeah. and what and what you know, Shlami and um, Wells and Sorkin. I mean, the way they, oh my yeah. god, the the alchemy of this cast. Yeah. Uh, well, and it, and to, to to underline what you were saying earlier, uh, I don't think that the Toby Bartlett relationship has the same gravity. No, with no. Eugene with Levy, Eugene Levy. No. that it does no. with with Richard. Schiff. No, and they would have never. It probably would have never happened because he Correct. clearly, yeah. again, he was writing for his actors. He was mm-hmm. seeing what is he was channeling what his actors were giving him yeah. and creating story. Totally, which is again generally how TV works mm-hmm. until our show came along and just <laughs> blew it all up, fucked the whole art form. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> So, so uh, I'm kidding, of course, a little, but, but, little. uh, you know, you can, that's what you did. Like you were like, oh, you, yeah. you, you know, ER is another example of that. You know, yeah. where, you just, so I, I, to wrap this up at the end of every episode of, of these West Wing episodes, I've been asking the favorite episode of, uh, of yours of the West Wing. Do you have a favorite? Do you have one that, that you come back to? Do you, uh, is there a couple that come to yes. mind? Well, I have okay, a, I have a, my favorite was the one I originally asked to do and told me, I, unfortunately, no, someone, I, you had announced who's doing it, so I won't spoil it. But, um, um, uh, no, my favorite is in Excelsis Day, which is, uh, Richard Schiff's Emmy award winning episode is. from yeah. this season. Uh, it's a beautiful episode. Which episode is that? Is it nine, 10? It's 10. It's the last episode. Um, of, uh, directed by, of, by, yeah. by my friend, Alex Graves, who directed, mm-hmm. um, my favorite of my scripts. Or, or one of well, one of my favorites is my scripts on the show, uh, on Thrones, and I had a lot a great time just pumping him for West Wing stories <laughs> the whole you know, um, and, and Alex stayed with it the whole time. You know, he he well he directed that live debate episode. With he did. He also directed uh, the Fringe pilot, which is one of my favorite pilots. I oh, think did it's he? Great, oh, yeah, no, it's a great, great looking pilot. He's great. He directed, I think, some of the best episodes of Game of Thrones, and um, mm-hmm. 
really nice guy. Um, so, but but in Excel says Deo, that w- uh, wonderful the main subplot, of course, being that Toby by happenstance uh, encounters a a a a veteran, a homeless veteran who at Christmas who time who passes, um, and oh, he dies, and he was wearing Toby's coat because he right. donated a coat mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. Salvation Army, yeah. and he just the injustice of a veteran that won't get a military funeral. Uh, you know, I won't, well, you're going to have an episode yeah, about it, yeah. but I love it. Um, and, uh, and uh, let's talk about it now for an hour. No. Um, and I, <laughs> and it's, it's my, it's my favorite tied probably with um, a close tie with, I just, in the shadow of two gunmen, the two parter. So good. I, love I mean, it. it's just such a, what's fun about when you're watching it is it's so great. Like, the first season was a hit and they have given them the keys to the candy store. Mm-hmm. And it's like, here you go. Flashbacks, action sequence. Uh, Can I just say that I love you know. whenever you, any sort of, this is how the team came together. It's oh, yeah. just always great. It's just it's, always great. It's just satisfying. I don't really buy CJ's origin story. Yeah. That's my only flaw with it. Yeah. Like, Really, you were working entertainment yeah. PR, and uh, I didn't really buy it either. But that. it does give Sorkin the chance to make fun of Hollywood. Well, so I, that. that's the thing. It's sort of. But other than that, I think it's 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 kind of perfect. And um, uh, yeah. and again, Richard Schiff, the best reaction to someone being injured ever filmed is when Richard Schiff sees Josh get shot and bleeding out. It is the most real. It's unreal. Not set. Not just. Oh, every time I think that it's Brad Whitford has been shot. Yep. <laughs> they shot yeah, it's Brad unbelievable. <laughs> you know, um, it's just, it's, he, and that's, you know, he's such a, such a grounded, there's just, and apparently this is, I guess, by his own admission, what made him kind of a nightmare to work with and might be a reason he was phased out is that he was just a, he was one of those actors, Stephen Delane was like this on Thrones, where it's like, why am I saying that? I, he can't say it unless he, Unless he believes it, yeah, and believe it. And what was great about that was it it challenged. I mean, Stephen would come up to me and be like, I, "Stephen was also like, what the hell is this?" In general, <laughs> with Game of Thrones, but 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 you know, he was that kind of actor where he was like, "No, no, 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 you wrote this, and I think you probably felt really co- clever, but I have to say it, and I don't think this makes sense." And you go, you know, there's a way to there is a way to make this better. And I think Schiff, by by most accounts, it was that sort of actor. Yes, and I think Sorkin could roll with that. And from what I gather. The powers that be after him were less inclined to. <laughs> I uh, I went to the the I love him. the West Wing Weekly's final live. Oh, did you episode, go? Oh. Which was tremendous. Awesome. And uh, there's a moment in it where I think it was Brad Whitford talking about how whenever a new director would come in, someone who hadn't directed an episode before, mm. and would try to block Richard, he'd just laugh <laughs> at them. <laughs> it's like, uh huh, yeah. I'm gonna do what I do. Get the camera ready. Yeah, and that's got to be really hard, especially with those kind of, you know, well-oiled machine shows, somebody coming in and, and yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. It's, 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 it's amazing. Um, yeah. Well, I want to say thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank you. About thank you. five votes down. Um, and uh, I hope that you'll come back with Kenny so the two of you can debate, I assume, something together. Yeah. Uh, no, Kenny. It'll, it'll, it'll be good. Kenny knows my good. address. It's gonna. I mean, I know that Kenny's desperate to do a departed episode with uh, with you and Hannah. He wants to fight about that with you guys. But wait a minute, departed um, but, is that from 
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.